Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, baby. It's the Charity Stripe. Pitch of free throws because they are free. Fisher DeSopolis, DJ, Nikki, Snacks, Kreider, gentlemen, we have a very special guest today. He is one of the funniest men of all time. If a, Jerry Seinfeld's favorite comic, so that should tell you enough. He's got a residency coming up in Las Vegas at the win. Bookie, his new TV show, is coming out on Max. Get very excited for that. Some say he even put Chipotle on the map. Welcome, Sebastian Maniscalco, to the show. How you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, I got to tell you, right off the bat, just to be transparent with you guys, never in my life have I seen quite a hat collection. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is not even look, man. He's so proud of that. Now, I'm so... Let me ask you something. When, when, okay. when, when a girl comes to the house, right? Yeah. And she sees the hats. Is that like, oh wow, this guy's this guy's unbelievable? Or... <laughs> I'll tell you how it is. So I live with my. I just moved in with my girlfriend. She just helped me set up the new hat wall. And her and I were talking before we went on our first date. We were texting a lot. And I told her, I'm like, look, I have this thing called a yellow flag. It's not a green flag. It's not a red flag. It's a yellow flag. It's something you can't judge me off of. Okay. All right. I have a big collection. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're just going to have to come in and see it. Um, and so after our first date, she comes back. She comes into my room and she opens the door. And in my old apartment, it was just my bedroom and there's hats everywhere. There's like 120 hats, all color coordinated. And she goes, oh, my God, thank God. I go, what? She goes, I thought it was going to be porn magazines. I was like, porn <laughs> magazines? Like, what is this, 1982? I'm 15? Like, I'm a 28 year old guy. Trusty porn She's an art director, so she was so stoked, um, and she helped me decorate it this time. So I, I always tell girls, have you ever uh, gone home with a guy and gone back to lids? Uh, and they usually, they usually, <laughs> they usually find that kind of funny. Um, but yeah, man, we want to talk bookie. We want to talk your career, but first we have to talk about the Chicago Bears. I'm looking for Nikki Nikki snacks to, for a smile every once in a while over there. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. But uh, it's nice to see Nikki Snacks uh, smiling every once in a while. Um, anyway, uh, listen, the Bears are the Bears. And every year, I think every Chicago fan gets really excited and wants to see them succeed. But I don't know. It, it, there's nothing really to cheer for. I mean, yeah, Justin Fields, Justin Fields, you know, he, he, he's just coming off an injury. But I don't know, man. I, I I'm, I'm, I didn't watch last night. I couldn't watch because I was, I was performing. But generally speaking, my father and I, my father's a huge Bears fan too. We get on the phone and kind of analyze the game after each game. And it's, it's, it's become an old hat, bro. It's just, it's nothing, nothing to be cheering about. I, I've, I've thought about going to another team. I don't know if you guys have done that in your life where you're, you're going to jump ship and to root for another team. It just doesn't feel natural. It just doesn't feel natural for me to be, you know, cheering for the Rams. Yeah. No. I had an option. I, I had a I had a way out because I'm a Chargers fan. When they left San Diego, that was the way out to go adopt another team. But you're right. It feels weird not rooting for the Chargers. And I do live in L.A., but I represent San Diego. 
Yeah. So same, same with me. You know, I, you, you think you would adopt, I, I like the Lakers back in the eighties. I don't really particularly, you know, watch them now though. So you now I was a Cowboys fan too. Uh, aside from the bears, I, I like the Dallas Cowboys. I, I, there you I, go. A 49ers fan too, but uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just nothing, uh, nothing to really get excited about. Did you get a chance to go to any of those bulls playoff games with MJ? back in the day because you were it was right when you were graduating college right but you were still right around chicago so just did you get a chance yeah, yeah. So i went to two games I, I saw jordan play twice uh once i was up in the third rafter um <laughs> uh obstructed view behind a pole uh which i was just happy to be there just happy to sure. be watching michael jordan play and that's the only tickets my dad could get which is you know i was just i was like wow i can't believe we're watching you know the greatest player play and then we got better seats when they played the cleveland cavaliers this is when ron harper was playing on the cleveland cavaliers so and we were kind of you know 14 rows up we got really really nice seats so yeah man those were the heyday for me i'm kind of i'm kind of um polluted with you know bulls basketball i you know they, i stopped watching after 99 i couldn't get back mm -hmm. into it um I really couldn't get in back. It's like having filet and then going to ham, you know? It's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, it's, uh, it's been tough to root for the bulls. So, um, yeah, man, I'm on an Island over here. You are, you know what? Here's we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll throw you a raft. You could come join us on our Island. We are all Texas Longhorn alums. So we're Texas guys. Mm. It's been tough sledding for us, but it's looking good. There's greener it's pastures on the way. Things are turning around. We are on well on our way to a potential championship this year. And obviously, several championships in the year to come with Peyton Manning's <laughs> nephew uh, in tow. So you are an honorary Longhorn starting now. You can don the burn arm. You can join McConaughey. You're welcomed in with open arms. We need some humor on the sideline. It's very serious over there. So you are an official Longhorn. From yeah. Us. Well, at least you guys went to a college with a program. Uh, yeah. And you, I went to Northern Illinois University, Huskies, and we didn't really have a lot to cheer about there either. So. Coming from a big, big time college program, you know, it, it's it's nice that you guys still are piped into the whole Texas football scene. Uh, NIU, I wasn't even a football fan when I was there, so I can't even root for a college team. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually I looked up just to see, like, you know, who the, the former alums athlete wise, you know, that were Huskies. And I think Michael Turner, running back, he played for the Falcons. Bernard Turner. Turner, Turner, Turner. <laughs> and then, Actually, and then Nikki, like Nikki, Nikki would know the Chargers. Didn't he, didn't he play for the Chargers? Yeah, he, he was Chargers first. He was yeah. uh, Ladane Thomason's backup, and then yeah, yeah. he found his glory in uh, in Atlanta. And then Jimmy Ward, who's a safety who plays for the Texans now, but he started with the 49ers. I think he was the only first round pick. Um, but there you go. That's that's the Huskies' history right there from a football standpoint. Oh, uh, it was Northern Iowa we lost to, and we lost to basketball to Northern Iowa. I thought it was Northern Illinois. I was there. Not. I was there. I was drunk at the game under the basket, heckling Kurt Warner, like relentlessly screaming at Kurt Warner the entire game, not knowing. And this was when I was in school, not knowing I was going to go into sports media at all. And I'm heckling this guy under the basket, and we just get we lose him the craziest buzzer beater of all time. I uh, I was in Vegas when that happened at a sports book. Yes. And so it's funny to see the reactions. It's split 50 50, where half the people have Northern Iowa, you know, <laughs> in this crazy half court shot, plus, you know, probably 1,400 odds. And then the other half have Texas in their bracket. So I think this transitions well to Bookie. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, did you prep for bookie? Did you place any bets? Did you take any bets? Did you become a bookie for your friends, family, uh, in, in practice to, you know, for this role kind of go like a method acting style? No. Uh, <laughs> I talked to Chuck Laurie about like invest, investigating the role and, you know, you know, should I talk to some bookies out there just to kind of see what the world is? And his his advice on going into this was, you know, the, the, don't don't you know, the, you ain't Dustin Hoffman changing into Rain Man. You know what I'm saying? It's, uh, we want your personality kind of throughout the uh, throughout the show. Obviously, you know, I did talk to some bookies in regards to, uh, you know, how how it works. I was never a big betting guy as far as sports betting was concerned. I like to play blackjack and what have you, but I was never. You know, I, I knew friends that had this bookie on the side, never saw it a guy. Uh, <laughs> he was kind of like a ghost. You know? Yeah. Even the people I know now that have a bookie, it's just some kind of figure that they mention. I'm going to call my bookie. But uh, I like this project because it kind of takes me in different scenarios throughout Los Angeles. So, you know, I'm collecting money from, you know, college kids to trust fund guy. Uh, yeah a mobbed up guy there's, there's just a lot of different personalities and a lot of worlds that i go into and it, it it's really ripe for comedy so to answer your question not, I, I didn't do a ton of research on bookies but i think it's uh it's you know it, it, it is about the gambling but it also isn't it's more about the relationships that i have with my partner um who uh, is played by omar dorsey i have a sister in it i have a, I have a wife I'm a stepkid, so it's really exploring those relationships. It's it's like a bookie has a life also outside of being a bookie. He's got to take his kids to school. Sure, he's got to go to he's got to go to this. He's got to go to that. So um, dance recitals, you know, taking taking lines on who's gonna fall first, which kids going down, yeah, <laughs> <the>, uh, <laughs> which kids sending it into the into the audience. But yeah, it, so the story kind of is. It's about the changing of the times, not to reveal too much, right? But it's about the changing of the times because there's all like if you go now, like yes, everybody knows a guy who knows a guy or has a guy, right? That's like the guy you're talking about that we just text or talk about or Vemo every Monday. Um, but with the changing of the times, there's FanDuel, there's DraftKings, there's all these, you know, online sports book that's becoming legal. So it's more even about like an inner struggle in some sense, right? Well, yeah, the landscape of the business has now changed. Like like you're saying, you could you could you know, make a bet from your iPhone. Uh, whereas 20 years ago, you had to, you know, you had to either go to Vegas or you had to call a, a guy. But it also lends itself to the people that are still using bookies that, you know, maybe want to be off the grid. They don't want, you know, any of this money claimed. They don't want, uh, you know, bookies normally work on credit. Uh, a lot of times when you're book, you know, booking bets through whatever, it's on your credit card or whatever, you know, you're, you're, you're paying. But with a bookie, you seem to have like a, you know, a, a limit in which, and, and that's another thing I found out that was interesting. There's limits in, in different clients of how much they could bet until you start collecting and until you start cutting people off. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know of any other show that's kind of t taken a dive into the world of, of, of gambling like this, but uh, Chuck Laurie is really, really talented at what he does, and I was just forced Yeah, he's pretty... Pretty dang. He's hit, he's hit a couple of homers in his day. Well, yeah. <laughs> so obviously for, you know, TV, TV shows, they're, they're in development, right? They don't happen in three months. I'm pretty sure. Wasn't there a prop that was voted on in California last year that 
would have allowed legal gambling? Was that like something that y'all were waiting on in the, in the development process, in the pre-pro process of like, Mm -hmm. oh shoot, this happens, like this changes our story and and glad that it didn't pass almost in a way. Well, I I think it, it, it eventually probably will pass and we didn't let that affect the writing of it because it's not like if gambling passed in California that bookies would be obsolete. Yes. They would have to adjust, they'd have to adjust their, their business plan a little bit, but I think bookies will always be around no matter how much gambling is legalized. I think, uh, I, I think it's something that, you know, and, and who knows, you know, with you guys generation, maybe you just grew up on FanDuel and that's all, you know, but, uh, for people like us, why you, no, we, we, that. we were there. We were there. We've, we've been there. We we're we're like in that middle, like we have FanDuel, but like, I have a guy that texts me like, yo, $30 free play every Monday, like to yeah. get back on okay. his butt. <laughs> we know, we know a guy. <laughs> but, like, the bookies have taken like to, uh, you know, uh, almost like corporate advertising to get their people back in. Hey, we're doing, you know, two for ones tonight if you want to come back in. So yeah, uh, it's just an interesting world now that uh, all this stuff is becoming very, very uh, accessible to people. And then the bookie is also trying to see how he could still stay in business. So it was it's yeah. fun. It's eight episodes. It's it's a half nice. hour an episode. It, oh, it's, nice. it's, it's it's good. Yeah, how I mean, was we, the... got, we got dispensaries all over the place, but there's still pot dealers out there. Yeah, right. right. Same thing. <laughs> yeah. What what were some of the challenges? Because obviously you're the, you're the lead in the show. It's eight episodes, like you said, but TV is shot in a very different way than than film. Um, and and you had the movie with De Niro come out this year about my father. You know, you're the lead in that. But talk to me about just film versus TV and the challenges that that presented for you. Is the first time you know you're you're kind of dabbling in the lead of a TV show. Yeah. Uh, so when I did about my father with De Niro, there was a lot of nerves and anxiety you know i'm a comedian i've I've never really carried a movie before so i had a lot of trepidation going into about my father just can i do this can i pull it off i'm working with one arguably one of the best actors of all time and and he's playing my dad so i was extremely nervous i didn't really enjoy that process at all just because of the amount of pressure that was on me mm. plus i was in Ala- i was in alabama shooting it and i I have, I have a family i have two small kids there's a lot of doubt like what am i doing here i'm here for seven weeks i got a daughter and a son they need me so i was going through a lot uh during the filming of that movie this tv series however and i believe like each each experience kind of prepares you for the next so i had a lot of confidence going into the tv show just because you know when when you know when you hit a shot in a big game you're more app to shoot that shot sure 100 yeah so with this i felt like okay you know i I, it was filmed in la uh again chuck lorry having a thousand episodes of tv under his belt uh, i had a lot of confidence in him that he was going to be able to you know kind of guide me and navigate me through this whole experience so i was a lot i was a different person in filming this and i felt like i was having a lot more fun than I did in about my father, just because, you know, I, I was just questioning my ability as an actor. Because when you do these, when you do these movies and film and you're used to like immediate laughter, uh, and then you go to a set and you hear nothing, <laughs> you know, it, in, in your head, you're like, is this funny? Like I'm looking for, <laughs> yeah. Are you look, looking at the gaffer the in the, boom in the guy. corner? Yeah, I the boom guy. He's like, like he laughed, dude. <laughs> talking into your mic, like, hey, do you think that was like that, yeah, that kind of, like, yeah. You're like, 
<laughs> need the validation. That's so crazy, though. I, I mean, like, we've interviewed, like, so many actors, and we've talked about films and movies. I don't think anyone's honestly been as candid, you know, not to toot your horn, but, like, been as candid as, like, a struggle they've had on set like that. And it's, yeah. it's it makes complete sense. It's, it's like, almost playing – and, like, college ball and, you know, and NFL are still football – but we say on our show, it's almost two different sports at times because, like, the way it's played, how it's played, the talent level, like, the expectations, like, the you speed. know, the, the speed, all of it is the so mentality. different. I mean, the business versus just being, you know, a college student. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it makes sense, like, if you're used to that instant gratification, you know, and, and the guy that's pushing the dolly isn't, you know, giving you that and you're maybe getting a chuckle from crafty, but they're so far away in the other room. You can't hear them. Like <laughs> that makes, I'm glad that this one was a lot more comfortable um, for you. It, does it help that your kids are getting a bit older now and they're not as young? Like, as you said, that was part of like a, a difficulty and about my father. That's always going to be with me. It's a struggle I have, you know, I'm sitting right now in a hotel room in Atlantic city and my, you know, my daughter's at gymnastics and I'm, and I'm missing, I'm missing that. Right. And mm. so as, as a, as a career, uh, man, um, I struggle with the balance of, you know, how much work do I do? You know, I don't want to look back in 20 years and go, what the hell was I doing mm. in a hotel room in Montana when my, my kid was doing a, a recital and that's going to happen next, next week, my kid, uh, my, my daughter, who's six, is going to do a recital, and she's so passionate about these recitals. I haven't missed one yet. It just this this time I have to miss it. And the look on her face when I told her that I wasn't going to be there, I, I I almost called my agent and said, "Listen, I'm retiring." I mean, like, how am I going to do this for the next fifteen <laughs> years? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it it you know. Then I've talked to people who have kids and have been through this whole process, and you know it it's good for them to see that their father is going and working and, and, you know, what's the alternative? They're going to see me sitting on the couch and going, what, what is daddy doing? Nothing. Yeah. You know, like, so it's, it's good. It's just trying to strike that balance to, to find out like, you know, what, what's enough work and, and what's enough at the, at the house. Yeah. I mean, it's better than daddy sitting on the couch, you know, on a football Sunday yelling into his phone that, you know, Tommy Capicola owes him, you know, five large ones. (laughs) (laughs) Where's my money, Lebowski? It's better. It's better than that. around doubling down on a bet that you just missed. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. What's the, have you showed them them any of your stuff yet? Or like, what do you think the first, you know, bit of stuff you'll show them is maybe outside of Mario? I know because you're you're in the voice over there. Yeah, yeah, we went to go see that as a family. I, I they've been to two shows, uh, and you know my daughter's six, my son's four, and I, you know my daughter understands. Oh, daddy gets up on stage, and makes people laugh, and she, you know, she kind of grasps the concept. And my my son is kind of coming around, but as far as like showing them any material, I haven't really popped on a bit and said, Hey, look at this one about Chipotle. I don't even know. What Chipotle <laughs> uh, so uh, as they grow older, though, I'll definitely my daughter and I have actually talked about going on the road together for a weekend, just, you know, her and I, you know, daddy daughter uh, weekend where I take her to some shows and hang out with her during the day. I, they're getting to the age now where they're a little bit more self-sufficient uh, opposed to when they were like three and one and like, what are you, you going to do with them during the day? Just look at them in the room. 
Yeah, I mean, like if you're if you're like your anything like your dad, you'll just you know your young son at eight years old, you'll just he'll be your booking agent. You'll just send him right send them right to work in the company. No kidding. I'll keep it in the family. You know, give I'll give him the commission. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Do you, do you feel like your your family and your kids are like some of the biggest inspiration of some of the bits that you do in your jokes? Yeah, you know, I've always kept it really close to the collar when it comes to my family. I mean, I, I not only poke fun of my father, I poke fun of my wife's side of the family. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm a father and I'm, I'm experiencing a lot of different things that I haven't experienced ever. Like it's free content. Yeah. <laughs> the drop off going to, you know, my son's in soccer. I take him to soccer and I'm, I'm, and I'm like, man, you know, at first I was kind of quiet. I was on the sidelines just just kind of watching and now i'm up and i'm not one of these guys that's screaming but I, you know like i'm you know kind of not i'm vocal yeah uh, that's so. good you don't need to be the guy like i think my dad we were talking toss your dad's been thrown out of a game before oh right? yeah yeah my, I had my fifth foul in a fourth grade basketball he got thrown out of the game ejected and then he walked back in i look at the sideline or it were of the bleachers and he's like poking his head around and his little mustache. He looks like Mario kind of. And, and he does. <laughs> and I was like, dad, go like, go, you got thrown out. Like you got to go. And I got, I'm out of the game. I'm sitting on the bench. You can't be here. You can't watch this. I'm not even playing. Why do you want to watch this? Like what's going on? So it happens, but, but that's passion. And that's what we love from our fathers. You know, like that's, there's something to that, but you don't, it, it was embarrassing at the time. Right. Well, I mean, is your father Greek? Yeah, yeah, my father and my mother, full okay. full Greek. Well, I mean, you're you're coming from a, a family that has that type, you know, like Italian, Spanish, Greeks. They're all like emotional, right? They get involved. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, my my father was quite the opposite, though. My father was, he would come to practice. He was the only guy that came to practice. I played soccer, and he was like off in the, off in the shadows. And he, he did, he's a beautician, so he. He used to come after work and my dad wears like a hat and a, and a, and a three quarter trench coat and he'd be off in the distance and, and the players on the team would be like, Who, who's that guy? And that's my, my dad. And they were like, he looks like he's here to collect money. You know, like he, <laughs> Walter White, he's Heisenberg <laughs> in the shadows. He's like off in the shadows. He's here to like sell it. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. It was just a weird vibe. I'm like, what are you doing so far away? Like, I don't want to buy that. I just want to look and want to see what you're doing. So <laughs> I had a father who was extremely, still is extremely involved in whatever I'm doing. So if it was soccer when I was in high school and it was comedy now, this guy is constantly on my ass to succeed. <laughs> You know, he never really gave compliments. You know, he's like, you know, it's just you could do better. And 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 I was watching the Beckham uh, documentary. Great, I, right? I kind of related to that father figure that never really said good job to his son because if he did, the son wouldn't have anything to work for. Uh, so I kind of grew up in that environment. And even with comedy, you know, there, there's no, I, I can't get a big head around my family. It's just, you know, they'll come to a show. My dad, go, what the fuck are you doing up there? You know, it was terrible tonight. You know, you weren't on. You weren't as physical. So, I mean, he's still critiquing my my stuff. I'm 50. But that, guy- I, w- I think, though, not to cut you, I think that maybe, I don't know if you've looked at it like this before, but it, all the, it values all the times he says you're good, if he ever does. 
because you know he's honest with you. So you know you when he says you you're good, you actually did a good job. I didn't like I grew up and I went to high school for theater, college for it. And everyone, my my mom and dad, oh, good job. Like you did great. Like, you know, like the parents are after the show. Yeah. One day my dad was like, You did great in the second and third act. He kind of sucked in the fees were from New York. He's you kind of sucked in the first act. And my mom was like, Oh, how could you say that to him? But it was the first time that I knew I was actually good at that. Yeah. We're done with participation trophies. Yeah, you're done with it. You're done. It was it was it was over. Did you take any of your father or like any of your relatives into your character in the bookie and use any of that as part of like, you know, the character that you brought to it, maybe like an Italian style? Well, you know, this is a bookie that has a heart, you know. Okay. Uh, a lot, a lot. <laughs> so no. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, you think, bookie, you think that you, you know, can break his legs, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do that. And I this is kind of a, a, a sensitive bookie, which uh, is, is a different take on what the kind of public perception of a bookie is. Mm -hmm. uh, so my character, which is a, it, it, taken off a, a page from my own self, is I'm very emotional, I'm very sensitive, and I kind of brought that to the character just because it, it, it warranted it. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's not as a a locked in operation as you would think a bookie uh, would be sure this, this, this particular show. Cool. Did you, do you ever have any conversations or, or try to with Bill Hader maybe because he kind of went, I know SNL is different from stand up, and you know, it's more character based there, but he took in, you know, his route from that type of comedy over to a darker kind of comedy. Barry. Yeah. And Barry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just, I kind of had that. I don't know. Not like it's very similar, con different concepts, but like maybe like the paths almost, you know, not parallel, but reminded me of another Max that. show too. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, he went from SNL and he went into this kind of dark character. I haven't talked to Bill Hader about, you know, that transition. Uh, but yeah, I, I could see where you can make the, the similarity between, you know, comedians kind of going into this world of, uh, you know, this underworld of uh, gambling or, or, or what have you and 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 not only making it funny but also you know there's some moments where you're like oh you know it's do they let you do they let you riff at all on uh on set do they like let you cook do you feel better like going off script a little bit yeah they're you know chuck Lorre is pretty <laughs> it's do it as written yeah uh, not to say that you're not not encouraged to you know if i have an idea i say what about this or what about that He's like, yeah, go, go, go for it. Uh, sometimes I'll make a suggestion. He's like, ah, how about this? And he'll come up with a better idea. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there, is, there definitely is a lot of, um, you know, uh, collaboration on set, but he's, he knows what he wants. It's written and it's like, here it is and go for it. So, and, and he'll make adjustments too, as we're working. So, it's really, really a, a nice thing to kind of watch uh, him work. It's he's, you know, when you're working with like the cream of the crop, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to learn from that. And uh, I got no ego, so it's like if he comes up to me and tells me, you know, th this is gonna work better, and then I do it, and I'm like, wow, that was that was really a great. Sure. Point. I mean, when we go to the when we go to the Super Bowl, like we go to the Super Bowl every year, we we do interviews, we run we run tables and whatnot. We'll go and watch like if we have a downtime. Like we'll go and watch McAfee. Like I'll go watch Pat. We we did that last year. We want to watch. We just watched him. 
Like, you know, and, and no, like you're saying, no ego, no harm, no foul. Like, it's nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. But this guy is where he is, you know, yeah. he's a he's a few steps ahead. So, like, why? And like yeah. learning from that and what can you take from that? Like, what can you borrow from that and then make into your own? On the subject of making things your own and your comedy style and your stand-up, how did you develop your style, your physical style, your cadence? Like, was there an aha moment that you had? I think that just came through the repetition of doing stand-up comedy. I mean, if I look at tapes when I first started out, I was extremely angry, rigid, very mm. unconfident. Uh, I, you know, wasn't smiling at all on stage. I was just kind of bitching a lot. And uh, <laughs> and then over time, you know, you become yourself. You start becoming yourself on stage. Those layers start to peel. Sure. It's similar to probably what you guys, uh, you know, have went through. Like, I'm sure when you first started this, you weren't as relaxed and as loose as you are now. You were a little bit more maybe rigid or stiff. And then over time, you get more confident. And, and, uh, and, you, and you, 100 percent, <laughs> dude, 100 percent. Like we I, I think I remember... we were probably a bit of the, the opposite route yeah, where you go, you're too, too rambly. Too, yeah, you're too much. Right. You're doing too. Oh. You, there's no oh, yeah. you have to you have to <laughs> rein it in in a way where it's okay. now it's structured now there's i but mean either I think, way you're, you're getting better i think right? josh we gotta tell him how i got the name nikki snacks like it was oh, yeah. i think it was like 10 episodes in we were in josh's bedroom and we're like yeah it might be a good idea to go to 7-eleven you know pick up some snacks while we record and the entire time i'm chewing on sunflower seeds and you could hear it throughout the entire the audio thing is, is podcast like- and so in the in the description he goes nikki loud snacks Crider," and, and that was it stuck and forever then- developed and like yeah like alex is saying like yeah you definitely but i think that goes in stand up too in your work is like honing it down you everyone's got a thing of clay right and it's about how much you can sit there and chisel it right you could always chisel a bit more it could always be a bit more detailed i mean we started this thing under a blanket in underwear i was the only not one together. We all not together <laughs> we all weren't in our underwear together like it was just me uh but like it's honing it down and like you, you know take swayze you, this thing you gotta yeah, really work, you gotta yeah. really work it yeah and, yeah and take your lumps do you do you try to try to because I, th- I see a lot in your bits of it's it's relatable and real but like this, you know, like the sword under the couch, do you try to toe that fine line of like, you know, yes, this could happen, but I I could take it as far from real as possible. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I like it based in reality and not so much far fetched than like, that would never happen. Yeah. It's a lot of my material. I mean, I go to Chipotle and, and, and that whole bit just came out of sitting in line watching people order. And then to your point about the physicality, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm practicing this stuff in the mirror. I'll go in to the comedy store in Los Angeles to work these bits out. And I found early on in my career, not early on, maybe four or five years in, that the physical action of, of act, actually acting out the bits were like people were like, oh, you know, like you could almost see that people go, oh, wow, this this we like we like to see this because nowadays, I mean, you guys well know, you've got to light yourself on fire up there for people to pay attention. Uh, right? Yeah. So if they got something to look at, uh, you know, physical movement or whatnot, almost shocks the audience into the show. And they're like, oh, wow. he's (laughs) Yeah. It's also just like another way of communicating to them too. Yeah. Like I might not get what you're saying, but then when you show me, I'm like, oh yeah, last week when I was at Chipotle, like the guy did exactly that. Like why? Oh my God, that's ridiculous. That's hilarious. Yeah. So I think it's funny. Is there a place, because you've lived in Chicago, you've lived in New York, 
no just, time never yeah just chicago and i moved out to la uh, when i was 24. is nice. the place is there a place in the united states where you feel like observing people is the best because i i find that your your comedy is very observational and it's very poignant in that way this is definitely a good city la uh yeah. well 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 when i moved from chicago to la it was such a culture shock for me i i found a lot of things uh just different in Los Angeles. I mean, there's a lot of flip-flops, for example. I, I mean, growing up in Chicago, no, no one wears flip-flops. Right. And, uh, you know, just, just you know, I, I did a bit about the way people order coffee in Los Angeles. The whole, the whole vibe there was different. I'm sure if you put me in Cleveland, Ohio for a year, I would go, oh, this is kind of unique to Cleveland. This is kind of unique to San Diego, Detroit, wherever, wherever you put me. As far as observing anything, in, in, in life. I think it, it's, you know, wherever you go, there's, there's people to, to poke fun at. I mean, no, yeah, hundred percent. It doesn't really matter. It's just where I was uh, stationed in Los Angeles station. Like I was in the army where I was, <laughs> where I was living. It was just, Oh, this is a lot. There's a lot of fruit here on the, on the tree to pick from. Serving in the 18th unit at the comedy store. <laughs> and, and, and those 20, in those 26 years, how much have you seen LA change? Well, I mean, when I first moved there, there was an energy in the city that's not there anymore. Um, in 1998, I started working at the Four Seasons Hotel in Beverly Hills as a server in the lounge. Nice. It was the epicenter of Hollywood. Everybody went to that lounge uh it was where all the press junkets were for all the movies so you would see you know anywhere anywhere from sean penn and nicole kidman walking around and again i'm coming from chicago uh you know graduating northern illinois university and now i'm i'm serving uh i'm actually serving robert de niro i served robert de niro prior to even like working with him so that's insane uh, that's yeah, crazy it, <laughs> There's a lot of people I served and then subsequently worked with uh, in the future, but the city's not like that anymore. I, I'm not seeing it. It seems um, it seems abandoned. Uh, you go down, uh, you know, Mallory <laughs> Avenue, and there's like stores are closed. Uh, I think a lot of people left Los Angeles due to the fact that kind of the infrastructure of the city seems like it's falling apart the roads the the school system the... no one ever finishes a project on the street i noticed like the the every road project is take i was in beverly hills for a couple months same project no one's working on it it's just like in the middle of the road there's like you know like there's street signs like all right road work ahead nobody's working one of us traffic <laughs> nobody <laughs> nobody's working no one was there it's like who's who's tending to this i was like what's going on here yeah i feel i feel also it's like a city that like, i have friends who are single they're like it's so tough to find somebody here i'm like it's tough to find somebody in a city where everyone's trying to find themselves like everyone is like soul searching out here now that's a, that's a that's a good way of putting it i i was i was lucky enough to find my wife there but yeah i could definitely dating in los angeles was was very difficult um you know, I mean, yeah, you're right. Everybody out there is kind of into themselves and what they're doing, which is fine. But dating and I don't even know what the dating would look like now. I mean, you know, I kind of missed that whole app scene. I actually had to go lucky. Off the girls. Well, <laughs> you, I don't know, you, you say you're lucky. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, this is great. You know, I'm, you know, I'm basically sitting on the toilet finding dates. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Opposed to like, that's I, efficiency I, right there. That's efficiency. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I, I, I talked to a lot of 
you know, guys your age and they're like, oh, this sucks. You know, this, 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 this you know, the, the, the dating world sucks with these apps and this, that and the other thing. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know. What your take I think out. I think it really sucks because like it really just shows the grass is always greener where you swipe to the next picture. And like, oh, that person's 10 times more attractive or, oh, that person's 10 times more successful. So I think that's the issue that we find. You know, luckily, all three of us, you know, have you know great women in our lives that we live with now. So we're out of that you know, uh, obstacle in life. But, you know, I think ser- serving was a, me and Josh used to be servers at John and Vinny's and that that's a, a, a good place too to always get numbers. We Funny enough, you say you serve Bobby De Niro. I mean, we, we served Chuck Laurie a couple of times, you know I mean? He would, wow. come in, he would come in once a week and, and we would serve him, you know, we'd alternate. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I remember when Nick was like one time, he's like, do you know who that is? I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. He goes, that's Chuck Laurie. I'm like, oh, like he's, he's like big in the biz. He goes big in the biz. <laughs> That guy did this. He did that. I go, what? And he's like, don't look like that. Don't turn like that. I was like, keep, he's like, keep it cool. But yeah, we, you know, and it, it's a really fun, uh, if you're back in the day when you're waiting, if you're fun and if you're having fun doing that, you'll meet a lot of cool people. Um, yeah. I was, I was kind of like you, Josh. I, I didn't know who the hell I was waiting on. I thought I was waiting on this a very attractive woman and you know, we were kind of going back and forth and, and I came back to the register to ring something up and a buddy of mine was also a waiter there. I go, I think I'm getting vibe from table 109. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks over and goes, uh, that's Vanna White. <laughs> I go, oh, and there's no way oh, Vanna White's going to go out with a, a waiter. So, uh, you know, I, I was just like misconstruing the signs. She was just being sweet. And I'm, I'm thinking she's, uh, she wants to take me out. So, um, yeah, those are the days, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been in that situation before. Katie Perry gave me the eyes one time and oh, yeah? I thought, thought I, I had a chance. This guy, and if this guy thinks he has a chance, like he really thinks it, he's like coming into the back. He's like telling all like the dishwashers he's like, and they don't know who she is. And he's like telling all of them, like he's got it in the bag. I'm like, dude, like you don't have a prayer. She's dating Orlando Bloom. That guy was Legoless. That guy was Legoless. Like <laughs> you can't do anything, man. Uh, Sebastian, we always play a game with our guests called Two Minute Drill. Nikki Snacks is going to take it away. We're going to give you rapid fire questions. You could elaborate if you want to, but these are generally just like quick one word guys. Let's kick it off. All right. So first question is, what's the favorite bit that you've done? Uh, Ross Dress for Less. Nice. <laughs> What is your favorite show you've done? Bookie. What about uh, like city, like a, a comedy special? Uh, comedy special, Aren't You Embarrassed? I think uh, it's my favorite one. Most surprising moment that you've had on stage? Uh, I was at the comedy store early on, and I was kind of poking fun at this girl in the audience and uh, her boyfriend. <laughs> was next to her which i didn't i wasn't aware of and he wanted he took his shirt off in the middle of the that's awesome up, took his shirt <laughs> off and wanted to fight me uh so I, that's probably the closest i've ever gotten to uh, violence at a show i mean they escorted him out but i was like wow this this, this could get serious quick as question it, sorry nick go ahead I was going to say a quick question. Do you still love going to the store and like testing stuff out? We saw you there maybe when you were doing, I think you were testing the, uh, the crest whitening strips bit out in, uh, in the Ubers, which was a great one. Do you still love going to the store and testing stuff out? Oh yeah. I mean, anytime I'm in LA, I'm there, um, you know, two, three nights a week or the improv nice. uh, working on stuff. I feel like if I have it, 
if I experience something, I don't necessarily write it down. I got to go and say it in front of a group of strangers to figure out if <laughs> I got something. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. This is an interesting one. So Jake Cutler is falling off a cliff and so is a bag of $10,000. Do you save Jake Cutler or do you save the bag of money? I always go with the human being on these. On these <laughs> no, you good guy. Let's go. Like this is like a real genuine. That's a real Bears fan that talks about the game with his dad. That's a nice guy right there. You know, a lot of Chicago guys that would take the cash and run. Very <laughs> um, all right. What's your favorite moment with Robert De Niro? Um, at the end of the movie, I have to cry. Right. So, um, and you talk about like getting into the role or whatnot, or how do you how do you get into the role? I was I was shitting in my pants about this scene at the end of the movie, right? Yeah. And we get to that day, and it's on the it's on a tarmac. There's an airplane there, and I start the scene, and I'm just hoping it happens, right? And this is how dumb I am. I'm like, I'm just gonna cry. <laughs> and we do the scene i don't cry this guy's crying this guy's crying and i'm sitting there looking at him as like a fan going he's crying like, <laughs> you're watching the movie right across yeah, from him yeah. 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 like the theater this is amazing <laughs> yeah. and it's caught and, and he he I, I noticed he was different this day he wanted to get this scene done because he worked himself up where you know, he, he did a lot of prep before he got there, and I, I got nothing. So hey. we, do it, we do it again. Nothing. So I say to him after the second take, I go, bro, I, I need your help here. I don't know what I'm doing. He goes, uh, I was going to say something to you, but I didn't know your process. I go, there ain't no process. <laughs> right? <laughs> so we go on the airplane. Just me and him. We just yeah. go to talk privately on the airplane. I go, what, 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 I go, what, what do I do? He goes, what I do is I think of, and he starts to cry, telling me the story of his son. He goes, I think of my son, and, and you, you remind me of my son. He, st he starts to cry, and then I start to cry because he's he's crying for real. Yeah. So I go, I got to use this. So I run out of the airplane. And I go and I come into the scene crying. I do the whole scene kind of crying. Cut. Let's go ahead and do it again. Do it again, bro. <laughs> I don't know how many cries I got in me here. Yeah. You know? yeah. Good um, for one every five years. Like the wealth not presidential. That deep. Let's go. <laughs> do, they use, do they use that one? They use that take? I don't know what the hell they use because <laughs> after, I mean, I think they used a, a combination of takes. Right. Um, but the moment with him in the airplane, because he said, think of your dad. Think of what he's gone through. He was an immigrant. He came here when he was 15 years old, didn't know the language. And yeah. now you're in a movie about him. Right. And then and I was like, wow, it, it was it was some great advice to use to 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 kind of. So I had to come into the scene out of breath. So I, I had to run around the tarmac. Now I had sciatic pain ripping down my right leg like you wouldn't believe. And I'm running. <laughs> yeah, that's another reason to cry. So I had a lot of reasons to cry. Uh, but uh it, it, it kind of worked out. I mean, as I look back at the scene on film, I'm like, ah, I, mean, I don't really cry that I don't really <laughs> cry like that. Uh 
I wish I really got a really good one, but uh, yeah. again, all this stuff is learning experience and you yeah. build upon for the That's next. you grow. I mean, everybody's consistently growing except Daniel Day Lewis, who's just, you know, <laughs> like can just sit in a wheelchair for 15 months and like be like my left foot. Right. Uh, Nikki uh, hit him with it, man. Yeah, n- next question Taylor's into Robert De Niro, but what's your favorite Italian slash mobster movie? Oh, Casino. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, what's your guilty pleasure TV show? What are you putting on with your wife that, you know, not too proud of? Um, this is a dating show on Netflix. What the hell is it called? What the hell is it oh, called? With it? Uh, Nick uh, Lachey and Vanessa host it. Love is Love Blind. Is blind. Love, is, Love blind. is Blind. Watch all, every season. Wow. <laughs> it's good, good content there, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. uh, next question. Favorite comic growing up? Don Rickles. Oh, that's a good one. Favorite comment today? Uh, Bill Burr. Yeah, that that was a birthday present that Josh and Toss gifted to me seeing him live. So that's a good one for us too. Um, All right. If you were to go back and tell your younger self, hey, good job. What's the one thing that it would be? Good job moving to Los Angeles to pursue my dream. That's what nice. I was And this is the last question. Every guest gets this. Every guest has ever gotten this on our show. This could be any moment in your life as a sports fan, as an athlete. What is your favorite sports memory of all time? Uh, 19, I'm going to say 90, was it 91, Chicago Bulls winning uh, the championship uh, at Los Angeles. Nice. With my watching it with my dad at a bar in Arlington Heights. Nice. Did you cry? (laughs) That time, did you cry? (laughs) No. (laughs) No, You just didn't have Bobby De Niro telling you. You reminded him of his son there. It didn't work. Uh, Sebastian Maniscalco, man, thank you. You're a legend. We appreciate all the work you put out. Um, it's been a joy to obviously watch everything in your entire career. Best of luck with Bookie. Everybody go check out Bookie. Uh, we're super stoked it's out. And if you're in Vegas, go to the win and see his uh, see his residency. Sebastian, thank you so much for joining us, man. We'll see you next time. Everybody listening, Fisher, Tasopolis, the DJ himself, Snacks, Crider, hit your free throws because they're free. We out you. We love you. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.